0: Hey, hey, on today's Seek the Trail Less Traveled podcast, we're going to be interviewing Jeremiah Doughty. Uh, Jeremiah runs from field to plate based out of Southern California, um, where they quite literally go out into the field. They capture wild game, um, whether that's small game, big game, really anything they can get their hands on. Uh, and then they process those animals from A to Z, not only themselves, but they teach others how to do the same exact thing. Uh, with the ultimate goal of providing food for your f- your friends, your family, and-, and those you're closest to. And not only just providing food, but providing food in a chef-like manner. Uh, Jeremiah and his team put together amazing recipes. They prepare this wild game in a manner that anybody can enjoy, uh, with the main goal, again, of getting as close to your food as possible. So join us today as we get to know Jeremiah a little bit more. Let's go! <laughs> And so here we go. So, uh, Jeremiah, um, I'm here with Jeremiah Dowdy. Uh, Jeremiah is, uh, from, from field to plate. Uh, like we said in the introduction, um, Jeremiah again, specializes in going out into the field, um, capturing a wild game and then ultimately preparing it from A to Z and and putting it on the plate. Um, so we've got Jeremiah with us today, just super fired up to get to know him a little bit better. Uh, so we're going to jump on in. So Jeremiah, um, Man, let's just start from the beginning. You know, let's let's learn a little bit about you, how you got to where you are. Um, kind of give us a, a recap of you know from from the beginning to where you sit. You know, who are you, and, and how did you get to where uh, you're running from field to plate?
1: Yeah, so I was born in the worst El Nino ever, uh, 1980. Oh, you want to start not from the beginning? <laughs> um, no, true though. My parents were hauling me back and forth to the airport because I had really bad jaundice in like. The old station wagons, you know, where you could kids could sit backwards and piss people off because they're mooning them and the dad had no idea.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and yeah. So, anyway, no, um, yeah, hunting has always been kind of a part of who I am. But here in Southern California, hunting is a lot different than what you think of when you think of like in Alabama, Missouri, Mississippi, Texas, um, because we're a lot more into our birds and upland game just because that's what we have around us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really hard to deer hunt in Southern California unless you're paying a ton of money for an outfitter because, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And there's you know, there's an area down by us in San Diego where, you know, they give out 3,000 tags and they have a 0.5% success rate. So you put that into perspective of, like, I don't want to go waste money every single year getting a deer tag, right? Because ours is a draw state, so it's not like where you guys just get it as part, you know hey, with your license included, blank, 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 right? Right, right. And so upland game and birds are primarily what we hunt from turkey and chucker and quail. We have three three species of quail. Uh, waterfowl hunting is absolutely huge because we're at the end of the Pacific Flyway. So a lot of ducks will actually stop in Southern California and not even make it all the way to Mexico. And so our, our hunting goes pretty crazy until it ends, you know, in February. And so we look at... All of that stuff is kind of the basis of where I started. Fast forward, I'm in college and high school, and or high school into college, and I'm in the restaurant industry, and I found a passion and a love for just the restaurant in general. Uh, fell in love with cooking, even though I was running front of the house stuff, became the youngest general manager at the restaurant that I was at. Uh, so just fell in love with the kitchen, the back of the house, front of the house, just everything that encompassed it. Fast forward to 10 years ago, and I was getting really, really sick. Um, not really understanding why I was getting sick, but I was getting sick. It was ev- after I ate, about 30 minutes after I'd eat food, it was like the worst flu of your life for about five hours. Uh, and that was right about the time that celiac was coming out, and all these other intestinal you know, diseases and intolerances were starting to make their way, and so... Doctors were testing me for everything from gluten intolerance to dairy intolerance to every intolerance that is in the, the list. If you Google like on WebMD intolerance mm-hmm. um, and I got tested for all those and all those came back negative. And so it was kind of a really frustrating year of my life because it just hit me like it was one of those things that just happened. And, and,
0: and Jeremiah, how, how how old were you when this was happening?
1: Uh, 28, 27. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, ten years ago, um, and it was right in the middle of the career. I, you know, been married for a couple of years. We had just had our first kid, and I just it was one of those deals where it was, um, I don't know. Just it, it really affected every aspect of who I was as a person. Because growing up as an Irish kid, it was you know meat and taters every night, and now I'm eating meats and I'm getting sick. I'm eating potatoes, and I'm getting sick. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And so through a lot of research and a lot of doctors, we found out that I've got um, a super rare intolerance to bovine fat and beef. Um, that's kind of the main ones. There's a lot of other oils and fats similar allergic to, like sunflower seed oils, canola oils, all those vegetable oils that are all processed. Um, I'm allergic to a lot of the processed things. But beef was the main one because, again, growing up in the United States, beef is what's for dinner right there was that saying right. that went around it was you know my mom would go to costco and buy the 50 pound block of ground beef and that's what we'd eat well you so, know?
0: yeah every every third truck here in alabama has the big tag on the front you know beef and big red letters and all caps so yeah, yeah
1: it's just it, it is what it is and it, it kind of i didn't want to believe it um and so i went and bought a big old 32 ounce ribeye at the store i cooked it and i was like all right i took like four bites and i was puking my guts out and I was like all right well I guess I guess it is what it is and for about six months to a year I laid off all red meat because I wasn't a big game hunter I was solely a bird hunter so I was I was eating duck I was eating quail I was eating wild turkeys I was eating pheasants and chuckers and domesticated chickens I was eating some pork but I'd still get sick on some different porks because you didn't know where they were being processed were they being processed in a factory that processed beef like it was it was a really, really kind of tough time. And I was at the archery range getting ready for fall turkey season. Oh. Um, and this old timer walks up and he pulls out a archery, you know, pulls out his bow. And it's not like you going to an archery place and seeing someone pull out a bow. You're like, you know, it's camouflage. like, oh yeah, hey, what's up, Bob? <laughs> um, for me, watching an old timer pull out, you know, uh, a Matthews and it's all camoed out and he's got luminox and he's got i'm like okay this guy isn't just shooting to shoot he's shooting to kill type aspect of it Mm -hmm. and so him and i struck up a conversation he was saying that he was heading to wyoming to hunt antelope and that was kind of the first thought i had about like hmm why don't i hunt big game why don't i try to pursue this idea of getting meat in the freezer more than just dove during dove season duck during duck season (laughs) and I was like, man, but I just can't afford it. Like, there's no way I've got I've got a new kid at home, just married. And thinking of out of state tags, you know, you're hearing all these stories of guys like, Oh, I dropped five grand to go hunt moose, or you know, ten grand to go hunt elk. And what it's like, I can't afford that to go put four hundred pounds of meat in the freezer. And he goes, No, dough tags are thirty-eight dollars in Wyoming. And I remember I went, What? So I literally put my bow back in the case, got in my truck, drove home, and bought two leftover tags for Wyoming. And I called up a buddy who was a fireman. I said, hey, you have off this week? He's like, yeah, I don't work this week. I said, you want to go to Wyoming? He's like, yeah, sure. He was a deer hunter, but had never really shot a deer. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, you know, because in California, you can be a deer hunter and never see a deer, but you're still a deer hunter. And we got in his Honda Civic and we drove to Wyoming. And it was the hardest hunt either of us have ever done in our entire lives because I had went and, Bought a rifle, bought a $30 Bushnell scope at Walmart. Again, no idea what I was doing, right? As, ask me about shotguns. I'll tell you every ins and outs and what's that. But ask me about a scope back then. I I don't know. I have no idea. You know, a scope's a scope. And we went out there and didn't even sight him in. You know, just thought, hey, you put a scope on the gun, pull the trigger, you know. And through trial and error, we finally got our antelope and we took it to a processor Got it home, and I was so excited to finally eat my first red meat in over a year. And I took a bite and absolutely hated it. Hated <laughs> hated everything about it. I was expecting a nice buttery chunk of beef, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, this is just – I wasted all this time, all this effort, all this money for, like, 60 pounds of just crap, right? <clears throat> but growing up, we had that motto that a lot of kids do. Like, y- y- you kill it, you eat it, you know? And I remember shooting pigeons and crows in the backyard and right by the beach. My dad's like, well, you killed it. You better go pluck that pigeon and eat it. Um, and so it was just instilled within my mind that, like, you you need to make this edible. Mm-hmm. You need to make this taste good. Um, and I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand the flavor profile. I didn't understand the strong sage flavor. I didn't understand not to cook it well done. I didn't understand, you know you put the whole laundry list of everyone that goes i don't like wild game you say why that's why i didn't like it Mm -hmm. and uh so using all the skills i had in the restaurant industry i decided to kind of break it down and understand you know talking to our sommeliers hey how do you pair wines with food oh what we we actually look for we look for the nodes within the essence of the meat or like what like so understanding that talking to head chefs like hey How do you pair this? Like, what do we put in a sauce? How do we? And it kind of just threw myself into understanding flavor and understanding that I think a lot of times is wild game connoisseurs. All of us, we're trying to mask a flavor like the guys that soak it in buttermilk, right? Right. We're trying to mask it. We're trying to take it away.
0: Yeah, exactly. you just and constantly telling people it, it's better than you think it is, or you right. know, right? Oh, I, I yeah, bet if I yeah, gave it to you, you wouldn't even know it was a deer, you know. That if, kind of I,
1: stuff. It, if I wrapped it in bacon and put jalapeno right. and cream cheese, you'd love it, like exactly, exactly. And so, I'm like, okay, how can I utilize the flavors that are already existing within the meat to elevate it versus enhance it? And so, I what pairs well with sage, garlics and gingers and soys and, and you know, trying to find that umami aspect of what goes well with that. And so I created, you know, my own teriyaki sauce and, you know, grilled the, the antelope to a medium rare and, you know, glazed it in the sauce and served it over you know basmati rice. And I remember my wife and my one-year-old at the time and me, like, all kind of looked at each other like, ah, crap, you know. We all took a bite. My wife's like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is not the same piece of meat. And I remember I posted it uh, just on, like, social media at the time. I had, like, you know 25 followers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, ta- and tagged Mossy Oak just because I was like, oh, I always wear Mossy Oak clothes. And they they're like, oh, can we share the recipe? And I remember I was like, what? This is – okay, sure, do whatever you want. And that kind of sparked this interest of, like, creating meals with something that people keep telling me is gross. <laughs> and so I started – Every year, I kind of just went to you know went to Wyoming. That was my that was my trip. That was what I did. I spent the five hundred bucks for my total trip, including you know two tags and gas and hotels and and I started taking new guys from California that were friends of mine that had never hunted. I'm like, hey, let's go shoot some antelope. You know they're everywhere, and it kind of started snowballing, and it just kept going and kept going. And seven years ago, uh, almost seven years ago now. I was just hating working in the restaurant industry. You know, i had been hunting for three years, big game. I've been, you know, dabbling here and there and writing recipes, bringing in wild game to the restaurant and people like going nuts over it. All the cooks, all the servers and bartenders. And, and I was just telling my wife, I'm like, I'm, I'm not happy. Like, I'm not happy in what I'm doing. I've been in the restaurant industry since I was 17. You know, now it's, been in it for 12 years. I've done everything I can do except for go, you know, I was already corporate trainer, developers. and It's like, I'm just not happy. We had a second kid on our way or had just been born. And I was like, I just, I want to, you know, I'm gone every weekend. I'm gone every holiday. I'm gone, you know, I'm working 18 hour shifts. And I just, she's like, well, find what you want to do and do it. I'm like, yeah, but we can't, you know, thinking of the money, I'm making a hundred plus thousand. I can't just walk away from that. Mm -hmm. And and go do something. And as I was doing that, we had this pastor in our church, and he was preaching a series on doing a cannonball in our life, and our faith. And he talked a kind of basic story. If you dive into a pool, your goal of diving is not to make a splash. So when everyone says, hey, just dive on into it, a dive only affects you, right? You jump in, it only affects you, and, and that's it. He said, "But in our life, we need to cannonball into everything we do. Because when you when you cannonball into a pool, the effects are felt inside the pool all the way to the very end, and outside the pool, everyone outside the pool gets wet, and everyone looks at you, and everyone wants to admire what you just did, or everyone's laughing, or it it includes everybody and everything that's around you because you decided to just go for it, right? And if you cannonball, you have to make a decision. You can't if you don't tuck good, you're going to hit your face, hit your back, you know, belly flop, back flop." and I was like, "Wow!" That's kind of my wife's like nudging me, like, "Hey, you need a cannonball." I was like, shut up, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And then afterward, the pastor comes up to me, and he he actually lives in Kentucky now, but he was like, "Hey, I don't know why, but I think you need a cannonball." I'm like, "Shut up! Why does everyone keep telling me this? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm cannonballing for, right?" <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so then that that was Sunday. Wednesday we had our our youth group, and we were doing something with the with the high school kids, and I was volunteering as one of the leaders, and I went to run with the kids to do something, and I blew my calf muscle out. Uh, I had a class three tear in my calf muscle. It almost separated all the way down to my Achilles. <laughs> and it's one of those instances where it just it felt like someone hit me in the back of the leg with a baseball bat as hard as I can. And I remember I looked down, and I see my calf muscle all rolled up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not – you know, and so I go to the doc, you know, go to the emergency room, urgent care, whatever, get it taken care of. And I'm out for six months. I, I cannot stand on my feet for six months. Um, so I can't work in the restaurant industry because I've got on this boot. I can't put any weight on it. And so I was out of work for six months and I sat at home, bored out of my mind. You know, I'm like, I can only play so much Madden. Um, <laughs> I had I had my one year old home with me. My wife loves her. You know, she works for the for the city of Newport Beach, so she's always gone. And so I just started cooking. I just really started like, hey, I've got all this meat. I started cooking um, and just posting stuff on social media, just kind of like slamming it. Uh, and a buddy of mine was like, hey, you need to come up with a name. Like, you need to change your social. You need to create your own. You know, your own Instagram for your new. You know your recipes, and I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know. And I go, what would I even call it? Like what, going from field to plate? And he's like, oh, that sounds great. Like, okay. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I went and searched it. It was actually the domain was taken by this farmer from Wisconsin, but they had it posted since like Instagram had started in like 2006 or whatever. Then they had posted like one picture of like a green bean and that was it. <laughs> and so I filed a claim with Instagram and said, hey, this person's been inactive for six years or whatever. They sent them an email, and they wrote back, said, hey, yeah, they're inactive. We'll give you the account, right? And uh, and um, so I got this account, changed my name over, and I remember just, like, posting crappy cell phone pictures of food. Um, like, I look back at them now, and I'm like, why the heck did people even start talking to me you know and no it's not even a joke like i would just looked back and am like oh my gosh no yeah but it's you know but again it, it was it was a st- it's still the same story i had it's real food you know but it was just a crappy iphone 4 taking right. a picture but there's and, a level
0: of authentic you know authenticity there you know what i mean uh of, yeah hey, here's here's a guy that's just passionate about something and, and he's using the tools that he has you know so i think that's so cool to be able to look back and say hey like you know, remember when, you know, when, um, when you didn't have those tools. So, I mean, there's still, there's still an element of that though, that you can't help but say, you know, don't forget where you came from, you know?
1: Oh, I tell people all the time, like, they're like, oh, like they'll share a picture like, oh, but it's so crappy. I was like, ah, man, I'm so excited. It looks delicious. I will, I would never, ever, because again, it's for me, it became, it became an obsession and it became an like I'm an artist. So like I've always cartooned, always sculpted, always drawn always painted. And for me, food became my new medium, right? It became my new stylistic aspect where I could create something. And even working in the restaurant industry, I was the person played it, you know, styling the food for them to take pictures for the, mag, you know, for the menus. And so I kind of just fell into that, that role. And I remember the first company reached, I had a company reach out, it's like, hey, can we buy a recipe and put it in our magazine? And I was like, what the heck? Like wow. I can make money. Like, I can make money doing this? That's a big like was, moment. <laughs> this, is just, this is just me literally sitting on my couch for six months because I blew my calf muscle. Right. And I remember it was a $25 check, and I was, like, just beyond the moon. Yeah. Mind you, I'm making tons of money in the restaurant industry, but someone just gave me a check for, like, an orange pheasant recipe that I had made, and I was just sitting there holding this $25 check for California Sportsman Magazine, which really nobody looks at, you know? And, um, and I remember just sitting there and just admiring like, oh my gosh. And I was just happy. My wife's like, you're happy. And so I just literally threw myself into it. And every, I, you know, I, I went and got a stool to put my, my leg on so that I could sit in the kitchen and just create sauces. And it came the point where it was like, Hey, it's time to go back to work. And I remember, I I was up all night long. I'm like, dude, I do I don't want to go back, but we need to. You know, I, we got to pay the bills. We got two ki- We have two little girls at home. Like, we got car payments. We got house payments. We got. And I remember, my wife looked at me and she said, "Just quit. Like, this is the happiest you've ever been
0: these past six months. Time to like, make a cannonball.
1: Yeah, just walk away. Just do what you want to do. Give yourself two years." You know, you have so much experience in the restaurant industry that if you walked away and came back in two years, any restaurant would hire you. Uh, and I was like, man, it was just, it was still that aspect of like, do I do it? Can I do it? And and I get a text from that that pastor. Mind you, this is six months ago. He preached this. And it was just said, Jeremiah, you got a cannonball, bro.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: And I just looked at it. And I start crying like a freaking baby because that's yeah. what we do. Because I don't care what any man says. Oh, I'm tough. No, when, when, when the moment hits you, it hits you. No, when and, the Lord
0: when the Lord is working, man. It, oh no, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's always funny because you don't want him to work. And then he like smacks you upside the head. You're mm-hmm. like, All right, I got it. Well, and you're so, holding
0: on to those things too, right? Like you're holding on to, hey, I got a car payment, I got a house payment. It's, you know, when do you reach that point where I trust him to take care of me? I trust him to take care of my family. And he continues to put things in, in your path, saying, Hey, it's time, you know, and I've got a plan for you. And this plan is greater than what than what you even know. You know, well, so I just 100%. I love that.
1: I love that. Yeah, and, and I always tell people, like, because I've, I've now spoken at, you know, countless churches and men's events and, you know, motivational-type speaking on the subject, and I tell everyone all the time, um, we always have this, kind of what you were talking about, we always have this moment of, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. I think this is what God wants for my life. I, and it, it always starts with the I, you know, and it's not, you know, what does, or is this going to, or it's always, I think. And so once we take the I out of the equation, then we can truly start living and truly start going. And it's not about us. It's about what we can give and what other people see on, uh, you know, the whole long story. And so I remember I walked into, the, walked into the corporate office and they were like, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Here's all the things we need fixed. Hmm. Here's the training programs. Here's this, here's what's been going wrong for the past six months. Here's You know, here's our food budget. We need to get this back under under wraps. You know, we didn't realize how much we missed you until blah 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 blah. And I said, "Well, I quit." And I remember, (laughs) like the two people in the office. You know, the lady that which I have known now for ten years stares at me and she's like, "Mm, "No." (laughs) You know, she's our she's (laughs) our you know our VP, and she's like, "No." And I was like, "Um, "Here's my two week. You know, here's my two weeks. I'll come. I'll come back. I'll." I'll fine tune everything I need to do and put shit. And they're like, no, you can't. I go, well, it's not a, uh, hey, I think I'm going to quit. They're like, well, what are you going to do? What other restaurants did you get hired on? You know, how much do we need to offer you? Then the money started I'm like, oh, we'll give you this. 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 And I go, actually, I'm quitting to stay at home and be a stay at home dad and write recipes. <laughs> and they literally, they literally like laughed at me.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I can imagine I'm visualizing the situation.
1: And they're like, well, we know that for the past six, you know, they, I had talked to them and they'd seen pictures. They're like, we know these past six months, but you really think you can make a living off of this? And I was like, I don't know. But all I know is that I have not been this happy and I got to have Mother's Day at home. You know, I haven't had Mother's Day at home since I was 16 years old. Right. Like I went, I went and saw my mom. I I went and was with my wife, with our kids on Mother's Day. You know that I had 4th of July off. You know, I've never, ever had a 4th of July off since I was 16. You know that I had I spent Christmas morning with my family instead of at 4.30 in the morning getting ready for brunch? Like, mm-hmm. uh, who knew you could do that? Mm-hmm. And it was just for the next six months, even when I was out of work, it was still like, hey, can we give you this much money? Hey, can you please come back? Hey, can you do consulting for it? Hey, and it was validating, I think. right, Knowing that like, hey, this is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to walk away. And it was tough. And I did a lot of stay at home dad stuff, you know, like, Hey, I'm just right. going to sit here and, Hey, look, I'm going to take you to preschool. And then I came home and I was dealing with the two year old running around the house. And I'm like, I don't know what, what what the hell did I decide on? You know, like, Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden used, to, you know, companies are starting to reach out to me like, Hey, can you write recipes? Hey, we want to charge you this much. And I remember one company, um, the guy came to me and he asked me for something he's like well what you know how much do you charge i was like well is what i charge he goes no that's not what you charge he goes how much are you worth wow like what's your worth like that you're not you're worth more than that that's right and I go, what and, and i go what do you mean he goes what you tell people for how much you you want to get out of something that's determining your worth he goes a great artist doesn't walk in and say well it took me 10 hours to paint this masterpiece, so give me 10 bucks for it. What is your time worth? What is your what is your hours worth? What is your, you know, he's like, so give me a price. He goes, This is what I would pay you. And I remember I went, What? Like you would you would pay me that much for a stupid picture and a recipe? That's right. And he goes, That's what you're worth. And I remember it was another one of those aha moments um, that I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's that's what I'm worth. And I remember a company reached out and I said, This is, this is what I'm worth. And that's how I, that's how I, that's how I, I based it. I didn't say, this is how much I, I said, this is what I'm worth. And they said, awesome. We'll send you a check. And I remember going, okay. And, <laughs> and it was, it was really one of those moments again, that you, you kind of just step back and look at yourself saying, wow, I need, I need to do better. I need to be better. If I'm worth this, I need to be better. So that's when I got the nicer cameras. And I started understanding lighting and I started understanding plating and storytelling and, If I'm going to be this, I want to be worth more than what, you know, what I am. And so throwing all that out on social media, really at the time, there was only three or four of us really doing wild game cooking, right? There was me, there was Hank Shaw, uh, Steve Lathiff, and like Meat Eater,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, Steve Ranello. Those were really the four guys that were like, you know, and there was a a girl, you know, Stacy, and that's kind of it. And all of them were very kind of high-end cooking, um, more fancy cooking, and so I kind of said, you know what? What does the every the everyday family household want to eat? Because that's what my kids want to eat. My kids don't want to eat a seventy five dollar duck dish with you know truffle oil. They want to eat smoked rabbit macaroni and cheese.
0: Exactly, exactly. They
1: want to they want to eat you know hamburger helper, but I'm not going to buy hamburger helper because it's crap. So how can I create a hamburger helper that my kids are going to enjoy? Using venison, using elk, using ground duck, using whatever. And so it kind of took off from there. That kind of became my niche is like real food, real stories that you can go pick up at your Walmart grocery store, your Piggly Wiggly, your pub, you know, your Publix, your little corner store that you can get every ingredient in this recipe there. Um, you don't have to travel. You don't have to spend money. You can do it on a budget, um, and it really kind of has exploded. And now I'm making as much money as I was making in the restaurant industry. I'm making now. Wow! Um, and I'm loving my job. And I'm loving the whole aspect of it so much so that, you know, I started from field to plate classes where I take people out, brand new hunters, adult hunters who have never done it or have done it a hundred times. and They want to learn. And we go through the entire process of how to break down your meat, how to stop going to a butcher. Um, because through my experience, I've realized that a lot of butchers aren't giving you back your meat. Yeah. Um, well, now, if you're and... in some, now, if you're in some small towns where you know the butchers, you know, and you, you bring it in, and you're like, hey, Jim. He's like, oh, hey, here you go. Right there's, there's those I'm talking about when you're going to the Midwest or you're going to these places where guys are dropping off 70, 80, 90 deer a day. Right. And the processors are just grinding up deer to, to package it in. Um, and it's true. You talk, I, I have a lot of friends who are butchers and they're like, dude, some, we can't keep up with it. Right. If someone wants their entire deer ground. We just start grinding deer and throwing it in there. Well, the problem is, I don't know if you gut got shot yours. Did you leave it in the back of your truck all day long? Mm-hmm. What was your deer eating compared to what my deer was eaten? Like, and so learning how to do it yourself and process your meat yourself is, is huge and also saves you a ton of money as an average. I mean, what, what does a processor for you guys like 125 bucks? Yeah. It's about one hundred ten. Um, well, you know, you, you drop 60 a year, you're looking at $700, $800. Mm-hmm. You can buy a meat grinder, a vacuum sealer and a sausage stuffer for, for that price. Yep. And then you're good for the rest of your life compared to, Oh, next year I got to spend another $700 to get sausages. Well, and, and, it, and it provides ground.
0: it provides a service that you know my, a little bit of my background on uh, from the hunting side. Like I, I didn't grow up hunting. You know, I grew up with a dad who um, was very much into uh, you know sports and motorsports, and and we spent a good time riding four wheelers and camping and doing stuff like that. But we never did hunt together. Uh, so for me, you know, it was something that I started to pursue in uh, my adult life. I got out of college. It was something that I always wanted to get into. I had really nobody to show me. And so I, you know, really just kind of trial and error, just started to go sit and, you know, sit in the stand and find people who had property uh, that were, you know, willing to let me come sit and and, and really just learn everything on my own um, the best I could. Right. And to this day, I'm still learning, you know, whether it's from people that are close to me or people like yourself that you know put a lot of really good content out on social media but I say all that to say this is you know there are a lot of men out there who want to get into hunting and want to pursue something like this but they've never been shown and they don't know how to ask they don't know how to ask because again they they just don't know where to start and there's a little bit of pride there too you know I think that there's a little bit of pride to say hey man I don't know how to hunt. You know, I'm surrounded by guys who, you know, are always talking about the deer that they shoot or, you know, hey, you know, I bagged an eight this past weekend, you know, all these type of situations, especially here in the deep south where it's just so common. Um, you know, it's hard to stick your hand up in a crowd like that and say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to learn. And to be able to provide that service to people in, a, in an environment where it's okay to raise your hand and say you don't know what you're doing, I think is huge. You know, because yeah. I think it just gives people, again, that that feeling of okay, it, I'm not the only one. You know what I'm saying? It, it just yeah. gives them that chance, so that then it's like, hey, it's all good. Like, n- not everybody is going to come from a background and experience, you know, to be able to know how to do things a to z. Um, we all have to be shown something, right? And so that's what I love about the classes that you're talking about. I've, I've checked those out. I know you got one coming up in Texas, I believe. Uh, yeah, January. In, in January, I saw that Yeah, as I mean, well. it sold
1: out. The, the classes sell out as soon as I post them. Right. And, and the difference is you've got other, other groups doing classes now. I, I was kind of the – I started them, um, and now you've got other groups. The problem is that these other groups are kind of – I don't know. I've had other people go through them, and they're like, it's not the same. Because for me, like I said, my whole goal is what you were talking about. It's not – it's surrounded ap- upon the respect of the animal. Um, and I've had, let's see, I've taken 300 new adult hunters out. Um, That's awesome. and, wow. and again, I've only really been doing this for six years. Right? right. And so you look at how many people have gone out and when I started doing it and same as you, I was a bird hunter. My dad, my dad only hunted dove when I was growing up and then I was like, Hey, I want to hunt chucker. I want to hunt turkey. And my dad, And my dad always said, okay, I'll go with you. And so we we worked through learning how to turkey hunt. You know, remember the first time we went out there, we were just walking around looking for turkeys. We had no idea what we were doing. And then you know, and so it's been cool because I've been able to get my dad on his first turkey. My dad was never a big game hunter, so I took my dad started taking my dad out. My dad sh- my dad had shot his first antelope, and I was sitting right next to him, and I'm bawling like a baby because we don't get to experience that. It's always dads taking out sons, never sons taking out dads.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And so when I start, that's what that moment with my dad is what made me want to start from field to play classes. Right. Because I saw, I sat there saying there's men and women out there who, like you said, are ashamed or afraid or curious or concerned or whatever, throwing an adjective and they just don't know where. And right. YouTube as amazing as YouTube is, it's very, very intimidating. Right. Um, going to some of these classes that have, You know, looking at some of these guys that throw their classes, and they have 30, 40 guys and and girls in this class. It's very intimidating to be in an area where there's people that know more. And again, like you said, feel shy to raise their hand. And so what I do is my classes are always four people. That's it. Because it's four people that build a bond within four days. And I don't care who you are. If you've ever been to a deer camp, a turkey camp, a duck camp, Mm -hmm. you meet someone at that camp, they become a lifelong hunting buddy and friend because of the memories you shared at that camp. That's right. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm saying, okay, you all don't know, or maybe some of you do know, let's come together and let's all come on a, on a level playing field. We shoot does because a doe is a doe. There's never any competition. You know, I've done a couple butt buck classes and I don't like them because it always, Oh, yours was bigger. Or yours mm-hmm. was a 10 and mine was an eight or your had more mass or what did it score? I don't care what it scored. I've never scored a deer. Uh, I've got a million deer behind me uh, hanging on a wall Mm -hmm. and not one of them has ever had a tape to it. Uh, I can tell you how much every single one of those weighed and how much meat went into the freezer, but I can't tell you what, I can't tell you what the head scored. And so by doing does, you kind of take away and make it all about the meat. Um, And so when you come back and you do these classes, it's so hands-on and there's no dumb question. Like I already sent out the emails for the classes in this January. It's like, what I said, you know, this is your class. The email goes out to all the, all the people coming and says, I want you all to email back to this group. So I want you to get to know each other before we even get there. <clears throat> what do you want to learn? This is your class. What are you concerned about? What are you scared about? What do you want to learn? What is one key thing you want to take away? This is for you, not for me. If you want to learn how to do T-bones, I will teach you how to do T-bones. If nobody wants to learn that, then we're just going to kind of skip over it. If you want to focus on gutting, we're, I'm going to take the time for you to understand the gutting aspect of it, right? And a lot of these classes are just like, hey, here's a deer hanging here. Chop it up. There you go. There's your deer.
0: Mm-hmm. For me,
1: it's like I don't touch your deer unless you need help. I'm showing you. Your, I hand you a knife and say, cut here. And what happens is even if you screw up, I was saying in my classes that it's just another meatball. <laughs> you, you you cannot ruin it. You cannot ruin a backstrap. No matter how much you destroy it by chopping it apart, you, you're still going to eat it. And so many times, people get so the biggest thing they have is the fear of messing up. Right. Well, hey, Where do and, I start? And, which is and, a, which is a valid fear.
0: Yeah. No. And I, I mean, shoot, yeah, I'm gonna try to be as as humble as I can be. I mean, I'd say I I still have that fear. You know, that's I uh, personally. You know, I don't I don't want to mess anything up. And to your point, like I don't want to disrespect an animal. You know, I right. want to make sure that I'm handling it the best I can. And the last thing I want to do is is go into that and, and, and screw it up and to hear that. And to have somebody, especially with your expertise, kind of turn you loose and and let you know, Hey, you really can't. And to your point, you're going to eat it anyway, man. It just kind of takes a weight, you know, just hearing you say that just for me personally, I mean, I can feel that weight almost lifted. And then that's when you really begin to be precise and, and be able to perform because the pressure's off, you know?
1: Yeah. No. And it's, and like I tell everyone too, it's like, I had to learn this and I'm always learning and I'm always growing. And when I started this, there wasn't a YouTube video to watch. Right. And so mine's all through trial and error. And guess what? I ate it all.
0: Right. And exactly. Yeah, you're
1: you're, you're going to have guys that are telling you, oh, you can't eat this. That's mm, a, a lie. It's now become my goal since the beginning was to try to eat things that people don't eat. Right. You know? And so coyotes. I'm now having, I mean, I had 10 posts of people asking me, hey, I shot this coyote. How can I prepare it? How can I cook it? Right. Right. Hey. Bobcats, I love bobcats. One of my favorite meats. Hey, I shot this bobcat and I cook it. Now I'm getting tagged. Man, I made the barbacoa recipe and it blew my family away. And now my daughter wants to go out and shoot a bobcat because she wants to eat it. Like, you start to look at at this this snowball effect that happens when you when you stop, you know, fearing things. And I one of the things I tell a lot of people is you know, because I'll say something like, well, this is the way my grandpa did it. This is the way my dad cooked it. This is the way I learned how to do it. Are you still using the same bow that your grandpa used? Mm. Are you still using the same rifle and optics that your grandpa used? Are you still using the same binoculars, the same camouflage, the same? We've evolved in, our, in hunting and foraging and meat grinding and processing and smokers and sausage jerky guns and freezers right we're not just storing it and salting it like mm-hmm. here we're continually evolving in this industry so why do we just have to wrap stuff in bacon why do we just have to dump a can of cream of mushroom soup over it why now don't get me wrong all amazing options mm-hmm. but i'm mm-hmm. here to show you that there's there's more to that that as if you ask my daughters hey what is meat okay they will tell you meat is meat plain and simple. If I take a deer, that deer is meat. At the end of the day, it's meat. I can utilize that deer meat in any beef recipes that I have on Pinterest. If you're a mom listening, you know, I'm 90% of my followers on Pinterest are females between the ages of 30 and 50. That's a lot of moms that are sitting there trying to figure out how to cook a deer that their husband just shot and they have no idea. I've taken, I've taken out more females um, on their first hunts because true story, which is very sad. Their husbands won't take them out because that's his thing, mm. right? He can't, she can't go to deer camp. That's, that's his thing. Um, they won't teach them, but through cooking and through learning some of my recipes, they love the wild game so much that now they want to eat more wild game, but their husband only shoots two deer a year. But if she can go out and shoot two deer, that's four deer in the freezer versus two deer in the freezer. And so they come and take these classes. I've done all female classes and these girls, all their husbands are shooting, you know, big old deer. And she's sitting here learning how to process it. Mm-hmm. And now her husband's bringing home. Now she's going out and shooting more deer than her husband. And her husband's getting pissed off at me because I taught his <laughs> wife how to hunt.
0: Yeah, <coughs> and I, mean, I I can relate to that. That's actually, it's funny. Cause you know, when I, when I first got into hunting and, and was fortunate to, to take my first few deer, um, you know, my wife, I, I would say that she does a lot of the cooking here in our household but she enjoys it. Um, it's funny because the way you spoke about cooking as an art form, that's actually the way that she realized it to me. Um, funny story, and she'll probably kill me if she hears me say this. But when we first got married, I'll never forget. She called me. I was I was on the way home from work, and you know she she bursted out in tears um, because she really honestly didn't know where to start cooking spaghetti. I mean, it was that simple. And and I remember telling her, I said, "Sweetie." I said, one day, you know, one day you're going to not only be able to cook spaghetti, but I bet you're going to be able to cook some pretty darn good meals. And lo and behold, um, we've been married. We're going on 10 years of marriage. Um, And two little boys later, uh, super, super blessed. And so anyway, I say all that to say that she has become such an unbelievable cook. And by me getting into hunting and by me going on this journey, uh, again, of trying to provide uh, fresh you know, organic, if you will, meat straight from the field, kind of like, uh, what you do. She got into it with me and she began to research recipes. She began to experiment with the way that she started to cook, uh, the deer that I would bring home. And I'm talking whether it's Philly cheese steaks, uh, whether it's meatloaf or, or anything that she does with these, um, man, it's just, it's become something that she and I enjoy together. And last year for the first time, with our schedules finally lined up with whether she didn't have, you know, she teaches some class and and is, is watching the boys a lot and stuff like that. Our schedules finally aligned. So we actually had a date night and I said, sweetie, what do you want to do? You know, it's our, it's our, our time. What do we, what do you want to do? And I asked her, I said, would you want to go, you know, would you want to go deer hunt with me? Would you want to go sit? We've got a a shooting house on one of the properties that we go on. I said, would you want to go sit in a shooting house together and and just kind of spend the afternoon together? And she said, yes. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Right. So, uh, that was one of our dates last year and we're hoping to do it again. You know, this year we, we saw probably six or seven dough, um, while we were together, it was all, uh, as the sun was going down. So we weren't able to get a shot off in time, but, uh, we still got to spend that time together. And so for us in our marriage in the last, I'd say five or six years, it's become something that we both have kind of met, you know, and, and, and centered on, um, she encourages me. She knows how much I love it. Right. And that in turn has made her love and anticipate and get super, super excited, not only to be able to get to go with me, but also to dive into the different recipes that she can now bring. It's like that's what she feels like she brings to the table. And it's it's this really, really cool uh, one 2 punch, if you will. She, you know, go get it because I've got these recipes I want to try and I want to cook for our family and I can't wait for you to try them. Um, and so it's super cool. So I agree with you wholeheartedly as far as, you know, doing it together. Um, but I just wanted to relate that back to what you said earlier of, Hey, you know, it is, it's an art form. And if you're in a relationship, especially in a marriage, you know, this is something that you can uh, come together on and, and it's not one sided. It doesn't have to be one sided. Include your wife, you know, and then the wives include your husbands. Cause she shows me how to cook certain things. So she helps me in that area. Cause frankly, I'm not the best at it. You know, it's something I want to continue to try to get better at and and I want to continue to learn. Uh, but she's got that talent. She's got that trade. I don't, you know, so I'm continuing to say, Hey, um, teach me, you know, teach me how you do it. And then I'll take you in the field and I'll teach you. And it's something that we've really enjoyed together.
1: No, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I wish my wife still, she's like, nah, it's your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did tell her for my 40th that she needs to get her license and I want my whole family sitting in a duck blind for my 40th birthday. Um, (laughs) and so she, she's always like, Oh, okay. You know, but same, same story is like my, my oldest daughter, she got her license during COVID in 2020 and she's gone out hunting a bunch with me and she really, she enjoys it. But this year she's actually like really started to enjoy it. You know, Mm -hmm. she started taking home back in, in school and f- I think for my kids, they've grown up around the food and the photography and, and the, the hunting so much and the butchering so much that it's just become normal life to them. Right. Um, and which I, you know, you don't even think about it. But it's like, a, a dad who plays professional football.
0: Right. Like exactly. Going, what going, dad to this,
1: does. going to the stadium is going to dad's work. Exactly. And so going to the field and hunting Turkey and deer and, dove and quail it's just going to dad's work right right and but this year we were out in the desert and uh i got a new 22 all set up for my oldest daughter and i got really crazy optics put on it because vortex is one of my sponsors i'm like hey i need a really good op and they sent me like top of the line like dude, this is like a precision for long long range shooting but all right (laughs) and i dialed that sucker in and it's like deadly at 100 yards right like she's hitting she was hitting quarters at 100 yards with it with the 22 Nice. And it was one of those deals where we went out and we were like, okay, let's go rabbit hunt and Let's go, you know. And I think she got the bug, which was kind of fun because it, now it's like, hey, let's go back to the desert. We're going to the desert for New Year's to ride motorcycles and just be as a family, right? Right. And she's like, do we have enough 22 rounds, Dad? Because I feel like I, I just want to go shoot. And it's it's fun to see her start to, like, evolve into that. And now she's the one that's like, hey, like last night, uh, on Sunday after church, we sit down as a family and we all decide our we meal plan for the whole week. Got it. What's what's for lunches? What's for dinners? Because I go grocery shopping on Sundays, and that's it. Because I want to save money, and I'm I'm, a, I'm stupid. I'm a budgeter. Again, I did that in the restaurant industry, so I'm like, I'm gonna budget. Uh, you know, food costs and all the other stuff.
0: And. Well, you're not alone in that, by the way. Uh, we do that. The, we do the exact same thing. So, uh, my parents actually give me the hardest time about that. They're like, "Y'all, y'all actually budget. You sit down and budget." And yeah, yeah, yeah that's same what as we do.
1: Same as my and, folks. I'm like, "Yeah, mom," because I grew up poor watching you spend my money. <laughs> um, and you know, when I go to your house and there's a million Amazon boxes, you're still spending your money. And you know, I'm I'm not. And you know, I, I'm down to eighty dollars a week on our grocery bill. Wow. Um, but I also don't purchase any meat of any kind. And so that really helps. So you, and,
0: okay. So let me ask you this. So that's, that's a, it's a good point to, to kind of pivot a little bit. So you said $80 in groceries and you're not buying any meat, right? So I'm yeah, guessing so my grocery
1: that, bill was eighty seven sixty on Sunday and that'll get us through breakfast, lunch, and dinners until next Sunday.
0: And so the meat that you guys are eating as a family weekly is quite literally everything that you are providing out of the field.
1: 100% we eat, um, what I either caught or shot. Wow. Um. So I've got I've got two freezers, and I've got duck, quail, pheasant, chucker, dove, antelope, elk, mule deer, white-tailed deer, javelina, wild hog, and then I've got my seafood one, which is I've got you know yellowfin, bluefin, trout, bass, catfish. Uh, so
0: so how often? So like today is a Tuesday. Right. Mm-hmm. So you meal planned on Sunday, like you said, it was eighty seven sixty. I think is what you said. All mm-hmm. right. So you've got you've got the the basic needs from the grocery store, and obviously you've got a, a freezers full of meat. How often are you going to continue to reload? Like, how often are you going to make sure that you never run low? Because obviously you've got such a base layer built. But like, let's say you know you know for me, right? I'm a I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm I'm a busy guy, right? Like. It, in order for me to get to that point, right? If that's something that I've got a goal of, how often do you have to go? Is it is it more of how often do you go, or is it when you go you're going for you're going for volume? And I know each animal is different, right? And I know each yeah. situation is different, but how often are you going to even get to that level where you can say, "Hey, none of our meat is coming from anything except for what I've caught."
1: For me, it's I mean. Again, it's my job, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so it's a little different, but I mean, you have an app. I mean, you being from where you're at, you have an opportunity to shoot way more deer than I do a year, right? Because with because with your tag, don't you guys get like what like two bucks and six does or something like that? Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so if you think about that, an average doe in your area, meat wise, you're probably going to get fifty to sixty five pounds of usable meat off that off that animal. Um, so, you're looking at 120, 240. You're looking at, wow, you're looking at 300 pounds of meat just in does alone. Okay. And you include your bucks into that. You're now looking, you're, you're getting 100 pounds of, you know, 100 to 80 pounds of meat off of a viable buck that's especially during rut. Right. You've got a bigger rut next. You're looking at, you're looking at 800 pounds, 500 pounds of meat, five to 600 pounds of meat that you can do just on your deer alone. Okay. That's not including anything else people look at that and they're like, Oh yeah, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make ground out of it. Or I'm going to, so what I do is I, when I'm, when I'm processing my own meat, I'm actually thinking, I'm actually meal planning in my head, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, a lot of guys will sit there and they'll cut these like thin steaks with it and they'll put 10 of them." I'm like, okay, well my family of four, what we're actually going to eat, we're probably going to eat only six of those thin steaks. So I'm going to put six per package. So now when I pull a package out, I'm not pulling out 10 deer steaks. And cooking 10 deer steaks. I'm cooking, pulling out six. You know, I'm leaving a lot of the roasts whole because I'm making lunch meat out of them. And so you take a thing of lunch, You know, I take a whole, let's say I take a whole sirloin steak, a whole sirloin roast off of the, the, the back of a, a deer. The, that whole sirloin roast is probably going to weigh about five pounds, five to six pounds, usually on average. Um, and I take that and I'm going to brine it, season it. I'm going to smoke it. I'm going to slice it super, super thin. And I'm going to get lunch meat out of it. And I'm going to take that lunch meat, and I know that my family's probably going to eat, you know, two, four, six, eight, ten slices in a week. So I'm going to package them in ten-slice things, and I'm going to freeze the rest of it. The problem that a lot of people have that I've noticed is they make this whole roast, they slice it, and they're actually throwing away three-quarters of that roast when they're done, right? Or a quarter of that roast when they're done. Oh, yeah. It sits, in, it, sits, it sits in the back of the fridge. They forget I mean, about it. We're guilty
0: of that, you know, and, and yeah, being honest, So now
1: you. have So now you've just wasted a pound of, of venison. Right. Well, if we're, if we're talking about eight, you know, 700 pounds of meat that I had to make 700 pounds of meat last me from, you know, when, when is, I think your guys' rifle season just ended, right?
0: Uh, no, um, our, rifle, our rifle season, we actually go up through middle of February.
1: Okay. So you have the middle of February and it starts when? September? Uh,
0: yeah. It's actually uh middle of November is when rifle season starts. And then bow season for us starts middle of October. So here you can hunt from middle of October. If you're a bow hunter, you can go middle of October all the way to the middle of February. So you've
1: got so you've got seven months
0: mm-hmm.
1: of where you're not hunting,
0: pretty much. Yeah. So specific to deer. Yeah.
1: That's one hundred pounds of meat a month in those months that are your off months. If you think about it that way, right? And again, being in the restaurant industry, I used to have to take a burger and take the lettuce, and how much is this lettuce going to cost us on food costs? It's like okay, right, right, right. If you know this bag of lettuce is fifty pounds of lettuce, what is the food cost? Okay, so it's eighteen cents per burger. And so, for me, it's it's always I'm looking at the math aspect of the food, and I'm breaking it down. And so, when I try to tell people, and they're like, "Oh yeah," I had this guy at a party on Friday. Actually, went to this party. Our neighbor had a Christmas party, and every year this old timer comes up and talks to me about hunting um, every time. And and this time he's like, "Hey, I just got back from uh, Nebraska," and I'm like, "Oh, awesome!" You know, I'm in the middle of like playing with my kids, and I'm like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, tell me all about it, Bob." He's like, well, you know, I was, uh, you know, I'm a trophy hunter. I'm a trophy hunter. I was like, Yeah, I, I know, Bob. Yeah, you know, I was I was going for like a 160. I saw a lot of 140s, a lot of one fifties, just decided to let them all pass. And the very last day, you know, I, I saw a good 146, but I, you know, I decided not to shoot it and I came home. So I was like, okay, Bob. Like, I don't know what the point of your story was. And <laughs> and just he wanted he wanted to talk hunting, which was fine. And he's like, Yeah, you know, but hey, and then is the next breath out of his thing. Hey, you got any deer meat I can have? Because I'm running kind of low.
0: See, yeah, you're right. But I, you know, I'm just being honest. And for me too, it's you know, it can be an I'll call it intoxicating of you know, when you get around, especially when it's deer season, right? Like everybody's running around, everybody's posting photos of of these massive bucks, right? And everybody, oh, I'm holding off on, you know, I'm holding off for a for a buck, and and that's all good and well, don't get me wrong. And and again, hey man, like I'll be the first one to tell you like. I want to shoot a big buck just as much as the next guy. Right. Like I, I would love to. Right. But I think to your point and what you're getting at, it's it can it can be intoxicating. It can distort your view from really what you should be out there in the first place to do. And that's to, to, to harvest that animal as humanely as possible to provide meat for your family and make it in, in as clean of a way as possible right and not to cut you off in the middle of your story there but like i kind of see where you're going and what you're talking about what the point what's the point of your story it's hey man like that's great that you're you know you're sitting on the you know you're giving me these stories of these bucks and all this kind of things but at the end of the day you ain't got any meat in the freezer you know what i'm saying and it's intoxicating though i mean i'll be the first one to admit it you know like i'm you know i i get into that too i want to see i want to see something to be proud of i want to see a trophy on the wall just as much as that next guy but at the root of it, that's not really why you should be out
1: there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and see, and then there's, then there's me who, I mean, I know it sounds no one, no one believes me until they look at like what I have on my wall. Right. And I don't have any stuffed animals. They're all just (laughs) zero mounts. Um, Right. I don't care. Right. Um, I just don't like for me, all I think about, you know, I go to these ranches in Texas. I go to my friends places in Mississippi and Alabama, Missouri, and they're like, oh, dude, look at the trail camera. And I'm like, that is the ugliest, <laughs> nastiest. I'm shooting that thing. They're like, dude, it only has one one single spike that's like 20 inches long. <laughs> yep, he's mine. You know, I went to a ranch this last, there in Texas, uh, this 40,000 acre, you know, low fence. And as soon as the guy the guy picks me up from the airport, because so we're teaching classes for some of his students in his class or like his school, like he was doing like a youth event. He picks me up from the airport. He throws me his phone and says, look at it. And it was this, you know, bigger-bodied six-point, and one of the antlers went backwards. And it was a fork going backwards, and he had a big, like, six on the front. And he goes, I'm going to put you in a stand. As soon as we get there, he comes out every day at 3 o'clock. You're the only one that's ever going to want to shoot that ugly-ass thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> and I I mean, I mean, was literally still in my my sandals, shorts. I go sit in a blind. This thing walks out at 3 o'clock. I shoot it. I walk over, and I'm like, oh, man, look how thick the neck is. Look. Like he's like, let's take pictures. Like I could care less. Like I, I honestly don't like when I go to Wyoming. It's like okay, I can get I can get two doe tags for forty two dollars a tag, so I'm looking at eighty four dollars, right? Or one buck tag for three hundred and seventy eight dollars.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I can go shoot a cow elk, which the tag is going to cost me four hundred dollars, and I can get or I can go shoot a uh, bull. It's going to cost me nine hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like. I don't know. I look at it from from the meat perspective, I and mean, I'm not knocking anybody that does it. But sure, sure, sure. I, I have I have people that send me pictures. They're like, "Oh man!" And then it's like the last day of hunting season. Like I shouldn't have passed up that three by three. Now I'm all for management. I'm all for leaving the younger bucks to get a little older. And but if sure. you've got a if you've got a mature six that's walking through, but he has pencil tines, drop him.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I get you.
1: You know, and it's like for me, it's like I I literally. I went out and hunted with, with the mossy oak boys and we were doing a meat week and they had all, they had a bunch of different chefs there and outdoor, you know, like music country music stars and whatever. And everyone was there to hunt, hunt, right. They're like, okay, so everyone gets a buck in three does. The very first day I go out there and I drop three does, you know, <laughs> I'm like, dude out They're out there, boom, out there, boom, out there, boom. We come back. I'm the only one that shot anything the entire yep. trip. Right. Cause everybody was waiting for their buck. The very last day, I'm out there and I'm out there, and this buck walks in. It's a, it's a two, two and a half, three year old, you know, seven point, walking, walking through the the woods, and I look over and I'm like, is that, like, would you guys consider that, a buck that I would be able to shoot? And he goes, well, yeah, it's over a six. Before he had, well, yes, out of his mind, <laughs> the deer was on the ground, right? We come back and all the other guys are like, oh, there's bigger bucks out there. We've seen them on trail camera. I was like, okay. At the end of the day, I provided all the meat for all the recipes. I took home all the meat. It's like all these guys took home a deer each of mine. So I'm like, dude, I have so much meat at home. Just take it, right?
0: right? Right, right, right. Use it.
1: And they they were waiting on the trophy. Right. And for me, what I really you go on my website from fieldtoplate.com. It says the real trophy is what's on the plate. That's right. And I, and I truly believe that. I now I think there's a story. I think that having that head on the wall adds to the story sure. about the trophy about the trophy plate. It adds to your excitement it adds to your like you said your your male egotistical oh, i conquered right mm-hmm. or the the female like oh look i can do what a man can do mm-hmm. um or your kid like hey i'm better than my friend at school but the problem with that again it becomes a a comparison it becomes this judging world that we're already living in the society where everything is based on merit and everything is based on size and everything is based on your wealth and your worth and what car you drive and how how you know how nice is your backpack at school for my daughters and oh you, you have old shoes on versus new shoes mm-hmm. and I look at the hunting industry as a whole and it it I can say it on here and I I, I say it a lot and I get ridiculed for all the time it disgusts me right I I'm ashamed to be a part of it a lot of the times because I look at what we're saying is what it is I love looking through old magazines and old photos of all these old timers with a deer on the back of the truck. That's a little spike. Man, and the guy is so, so excited and he's so excited. He's sitting on the back of that truck and you know, it's it's in, it's in field and stream magazine talking about this dude that hunted this buck and he's not wearing an ounce of camouflage. Yep. He doesn't, he doesn't have one sponsor name anywhere on him. Mean, nowadays in hunting, we're like NASCAR. It's like, how many sponsors can we stick on us and put in our videos and then to earn more money. And this dude, had the time of his life. There was one article and it said in in 1952 in outdoor life. And it was about these friends that went to Alaska and it was, it was called, we shot the lot. And again, I, I go by all the. Every time I see an old sports sports magazine, like when I go to an antique shop, I pick it up. It was like, Dude, that's from 1943. I'm like, I know, look, this, this box of ammo was 17 cents. Um, but it talked about how they went to Alaska and they all could only afford to buy one tag. Mm-hmm. So one guy got an elk or a moose tag. One guy got a bear tag. One guy got a blacktail tag. One guy got uh, a sika tag, One guy got, you know, a brown bear tag. And these five buddies went to Alaska and they all shot their species with each other per animal. They all went out and hunted this guy's moose together and packed it out. And then when they left Alaska, they all divvied up the meat completely equally so that everyone had the same amount of meat to go home with. The same amount of moose, elk, you know, Sitka, blacktail, black bear, brown bear, and all the guys at home with all the meat.
0: Yep. No, I, it's funny you say that, man, because. Where, we, where it,
1: have it, we lost that?
0: It, it's like a week ago, maybe a week or two ago. And I don't think it was the same article that you were reading. I, I can't remember where I saw it. I saw it on social somewhere. Um, oh, but that it was guy like, with
1: that, that black and white picture with the guy in the back of the truck?
0: No, this one was like five or six guys. It was a photo from probably like 19. 19- 62. I don't know. Something like that. Um, all in red, all, every one of them wearing red and they've just got deer after deer behind them. And it was from their hunt camp up. And I think it was Wisconsin is what it was. Um, but to your point, I didn't see a single trophy buck in that picture. And it was talking about the evolution of hunting of the hunter, uh, specific to where we live and talking about, Hey, here's a, here's a group of guys who used to go out into the deer woods, you know, as a group, right. They didn't have trail cameras. None of them were really wearing camo. (laughs) Uh, A lot of them camped from the ground. I'm sorry, hunted from the ground. And it was just talking about just how these things have evolved. You know, very much so like you talked about earlier with your, you know, with the recipes of how you prepare the food. Hey, we're going to evolve with it the same way that our weapons have evolved, the way that we prepare has evolved, the tools and accessories we have have, you know, have evolved. But it was talking a lot about just that evolution and almost like what would those guys in that photo think of us today? You know what I mean? What would oh, they they'd what, be disgusted? What, exactly. Like what would they think of the deer camps of today compared to what they were doing? Would they have liked to have shot a trophy buck? I'm sure they would, you know, absolutely. But at the but end of legal, the day, legal is legal, right? E- exactly. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's not really what it was about. I'm, I'm not going to say for every deer camp that ever existed, but for a lot of them, I know I've, I've listened to my papa. I've I've heard him talk about the deer camps he used to go to in uh in east georgia and then a little bit over here in alabama and um yeah he he had a couple mounted bucks on his wall but that's not really all the stories he would tell me about you know he told me stories of you know just the the amount of deer that they were able to shoot he told me Kind of a funny story one time of how he, he basically had a brand new car and and he went to deer camp with it for some reason. And uh, he ended up having to drive home with that thing in the trunk. Um, one, of, one of the deer he shot in the trunk and my grandma was pissed and she was not very happy about that. But um, those are the kind of stories that I remember, you know, and, and just uh, I agree with you, man. I, I feel like what ultimately got me into hunting again, having pursued it in my adulthood and not really as a youth what really started me in it was, was getting to the source of my food. And to your point, I didn't, I didn't necessarily care if it was a buck, a dough. I didn't, I didn't care. I wanted to be able to say I knew where my food came from. And that's really what, you know, what got me into it. And just being honest though, as you go through it and the more peer pressure and, and again, you get almost intoxicated as you get more and more into it, uh, depending on, you know, what circles you run in and what you pay attention to, you got to be careful because it can kind of take away and you can lose sight of what you originally got into it for, you know, and that is getting close to your food. That is knowing where it came from. It is learning that art form in my mind. And it becomes a game of, you know, how many points does it have? And again, those things are great. I'll be the first one to tell you if a big buck comes out in front of me, man, I, I hope I have a chance to take it. I hope I have a chance to take it humanely. And that's something that I would certainly be proud of, but ultimately that's not what it's about. You know, it's, it's, it's about getting directly to the source of my food so that when I'm sitting down at the dinner table over a meal that either myself or my wife has prepared, I can say, man, I remember, I remember seeing this thing walk right in front of me, you know, and that's a really, really good feeling, you know? And so, yeah, it's interesting because I i mean, again, literally, I think it was a week ago, I saw a very similar article and I can't remember where it was. Otherwise, I'd, I'd give him a shout out. But um, it's cool, man. It's it's interesting. It's hearing you talk has, you know, in a lot of ways, kind of reminded me, you know, of, of why I even wanted to get into something like this and, and why I even pursue it. Um, I'm very big on accountability. I think it's good to, to kind of call it like you see it and call yourself out and. And lately, you know, I kind of feel that way. I almost feel like I've been intoxicated with that of, you know, man, you know, I've been tracking a couple bucks on camera and been trying to, you know, kind of hold off a little bit. And, and it's been nice to, to kind of be reminded of, Hey man, what are you, what are you doing this for? You know, what are you doing this for? And, and ultimately um, I think that's really cool. Cause you know, you live that and, and you're trying to remind people of that and, and ultimately, again, you know, two freezers full worth of meat. I think, you know, me and most men, anybody who's a father or a husband who who has to buy groceries on a weekly basis, you know, would agree, man, anything, you know, any way for me to limit that grocery bill, <laughs> you know, the better. Um, and that would actually lead me into another question I'd have for you. Like fathers and husbands that are out there, right? Guys like me and you, right? What's a what's a small win, you know, in your opinion, as far as trying to pursue this sort of lifestyle? Cause not most men, you know, at least guys that I know here locally, I mean, they're not going to be able to get out as often, or at least they say they won't be able to get out as often to, uh, to fill, you know, two freezers worth full of, of meat to where they can say, Hey, a hundred percent of that's coming from the field. So in your opinion, what's a small victory? Like what, what is something to get somebody started and say, Hey, these are small things you can do to continue to kind of chip away. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I think just the, the smallest yet biggest victory goes back to what we talked about in the very beginning was 100% doing it yourself. Yeah. I can't tell you how many you shoot a deer. Some guys don't even gut their deer. They take it straight to a processor. And then a week later they pick up their meat. Mm -hmm. There's no buy-in it's, it's, it's just shooting an animal, right. And taking a picture. Right. Um, when you process and when you butcher yourself, all of a sudden there becomes this, this win. There becomes this, it's, it's, if you've ever babysat a kid, okay, and you could babysit this kid and you can feed this kid and you put this kid to bed and you struggle with this kid, but the parents come home at, at 10 o'clock and you leave and that kid isn't your kid, right? You will never understand what it's like to be a dad until you have a kid, you will never understand waking up in the middle of the night, running downstairs to check and see if they're breathing until you're a dad. You've never done that babysitting. You're like, oh my gosh, is the kid still breathing? Yep. You're like, I'm going to sit here and watch TV until the parents get home. That's right. And, you know, or you drop your kid off at school and you hope that they come home at the end of the day. And, and there's this, there's this fear, there's this excitement, there's this thrill of being a father and watching your kid take its first step. And watching, you know, all these things that come into it. Take that into eating dinner. Right? If I go to the grocery store and I grab a steak that I know nothing about, and I bring it home and I cook it for my family, we sit there, we have an we have an enjoyable meal. There's no buy-in, there's no worth to that meal. If I go and I prepare a deer steak that I had shot and I took it to a processor and I get home the meat. The first time we sit down eating that meal, there's a story to tell. The next time we sit down, there's no story to tell. We've already heard that story about that meat. As as a processor, as, as someone who does it themselves, I sit down and I start telling my kids, "So this right here, this came off of which cut?" They're like, "Oh, that that came off of the the bottom round, Dad." Okay, cool. So the bottom round, the reason, you know, we can cook these meals with this bottom round is because blank, blank, and blank. All of a sudden, there's this buy-in. There's this excitement. If you, if you plant a carrot and you grow a carrot, you pull a carrot out of the ground, that's the best damn tasting carrot you've ever had in your entire that's life.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: I don't care if it's the worst tasting carrot in your entire life. You've spent all that time and effort. The same thing goes with, with DIY butchering. All of a sudden, you have this buy-in. You have this, this desire to scrape every ounce of meat off those bones because you realized you just got back way more meat than you've ever gotten from the butcher, ever. Right, I, I I took an antelope one time and I cut an antelope in half and I gave one half to a butcher, and I said these are the cuts I want out of it. And then I took the other half back to back to camp, and I butchered it down the way that I wanted it. Two days later, I go to the butcher, I get the cuts of meat back from him. My cuts of meat weighed in at seven pounds more meat than what the butcher did.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: steaks my steaks looked better, my roast looked better, my ground looked better. There wasn't all the sinew and crap in, the, in my grind, right? Which which version do you think I want to eat more?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the same animal, but I'm looking at what I just spent an hour doing and listening to music and sitting there talking with my buddy as I cut off a you know, cut down the back legs into roasts and steaks and ground and osaboko cuts and shanks and there's now there's a story to So I think a little win is a big win by getting over your fear of screwing up, getting over your fear of of not feeling accepted because you screwed up or, or maybe because you get made fun of for doing it yourself or you, the, the, the people that say, I don't have an area to do it. Your kitchen table works fine. I well, don't, don't,
0: and that was I, don't
1: a the, I don't I have the, I don't have the, yeah. And I don't have the, t- I don't have the time. I get that all the time. You have time to go sit in a deer stand for eight hours a day, waiting for a deer to walk by, but you don't have two hours of your day to butcher it down and put it in the freezer. That's just the words of a lazy person.
0: Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. I think that's totally fair, you know, and, and for me, you know, definitely. I mean, I, uh, I think that's more than fair and, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's ultimately about that story. It's a, it's about having buy-in, you know, a lot of, you know, specific to this podcast and, and you obviously fit like a, like a glove, I guess, or a, a well-fitting shoe. I don't know the best <laughs> analogy to put on there, but you know, you fit that perfectly with what you just said. And that's, you know, Basically being, being willing to put in the time. Like everything that we do in a modern lifestyle is about convenience, at least it seems. And to your point, it's, it's kind of prioritizing that time. And, you know, like you said, you've got eight hours sitting in a deer stand, right? But you don't have two hours to go through really the most important steps, right? Because it takes time and it's a little bit dirty. And maybe I've got a little bit of fear of, of messing up. Well, technically, you can mess up by shooting your gun. What if What if you miss the animal? You know, what or, if you or a gut shot? Or, yeah, or a gut shot. I mean, you can you can mess up. What if you What if you fall off the ladder? You know, ladder. God forbid. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do to mess up in every other area of your life. It's conveniently you're positioning it into that specific area, and it's basically accepting that and saying, "Hey, you know what? I, I've been doing this." Um, i'm not going to anymore and i'm not going to to be scared to go through these these next couple of steps for the sake of again getting as close as i possibly can to that animal and to your point having that buy-in right there's so much of our life where we're disconnected and there's such a lack of buy-in with so many different things whether it's food or I mean, golly, the list could probably just go on and on if you really sit there and make a list of, of everything we experience on a daily basis. Um, because that's what it's all about is, is trying to create services. It's trying to create, you know, means for people to really not have to do anything. <laughs> like,
1: oh, yeah. You know, that's, oh, I'm just going really to Uber. I'm going to Uber my food. Exactly. To my
0: house now. Exactly. Like now we have groceries coming to our doorstep. You know, now we, you know you really don't have to leave your house and don't get me on a soapbox of where we've been over the last two years with, with everything that's gone on. Cause that'll be in you know, an entire podcast on its own, but um, you know, it just, it's just super cool, man. I, I can't thank you enough. I, I think we're, we're kind of getting towards the end here, but I, I wanted to ask you two last things um, I wanted you you know, to wrap up by letting people know how they can connect with from field to plate a little bit further um, and all the different things, you know, that, that you provide content wise, where they need to go to, to find that information. But before we jump into that, I want to ask you a a question. And this is, this is something I like to do at the end of each podcast. Um, you know, the name of this is seek the trail less traveled, you know, just by me saying that to you, um, what does that mean to you based off of your lifestyle and and the way that you live? What does seek the trail less traveled mean to you, Jeremiah?
1: Hmm. I think just in the aspect of like what we were talking about is, Mm -hmm. Is not being afraid of what other people are going to think about you. Mm. Not being being afraid to post something that you're passionate about. Um, I had a girl, a lady, a a young lady. I am in her 20s. She posted a picture of her very first deer, which was a doe. She got so much ridicule for a picture of a doe that she took it down. And... I wrote to her and I said, Hey, why'd you take that picture down? It was a gorgeous picture and it was a beautiful story. And she goes, I just can't handle all the, all the negative comments. And I told her, I said, post it back up. Who cares? Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember she, we had a long conversation and she's like, okay. And she posted it back up and I was the first comment, you know, and I put on there and she, she wrote in there like, Hey, please don't make fun of me. I was like, take it out. Just put like, I'm proud of what I did. That's right. And, and I, and I, it was me working that through with this girl that I have no idea who this girl is. I just, she deleted a picture and I'm so sick of people judging. I'm so sick of people. I mean, I get, I get slammed on the daily and I just love it. Um, <laughs> and my wife tells me I have a sickness cause I'm like, Hey, guess what someone said to me today? She's like, you're, you're sick. Um, you know, I get, I get 30 death threats a week. I get people that are negative comments. I get people that are, Oh, your food is this. Your food is that. And guess what? I turn around and I'm going to post exactly what you said. I'm going to post a picture That's right. surrounded about with what you said because I don't care. Right? I don't care. I don't care if I get one like. I don't care if I get five thousand likes. To me, it doesn't matter. The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because there's one person out there that could be encouraged by it a day. Then I'm going to keep doing it.
0: That's right. You know,
1: I've been asked to be on certain podcasts um, of really high end podcasts that I've told them no to because I don't believe what. founder stands for right or the podcast stands for people like you're crazy you could get millions of followers by being on that podcast and i said but i don't want my daughter listening to that podcast so i ain't gonna do it yeah right and so for me i think that's the biggest thing is the the road less traveled that the the, when we're seeking something that's not what other people are seeking it's seeking to be truthful respectful honorable and in this day of age that usually gets you canceled um and you nailed it you nailed it and so for me I'd rather be canceled, and still be true and honorable to who I am, and be able to s- lay next to my wife at nighttime, and her respect me. That's right. And and look at my kids, and have them say, "Dad, I love you." Than to have someone on social media that I don't know feel like, "Oh, I want to be like him." I mean, I've I have sat with many of the people that people look on social media. I've been on huge events. I've been on huge hunting trips, and I can tell you that ninety percent of the people that you idolize are the fakest, most disgusting people in the world. Right. And I have walked away from camps. I, I literally have left camps, drove to the airport and flew away and was like, I can't be a part of this. Yeah. Um, and I don't care if you can, you know, they'll bash me, they'll unfollow me, they'll say whatever. But at the end of the day, taking the road that no one else wants to take is being true to who you are, Love that. being, being successful in your own mind and loving every minute of who you are and what you want to be, because at, at the end of the day, when you go to bed and you close your eyes, it's you.
0: Yep. And nobody else. That's right, man. And man, you just nailed that. I literally could not say it better myself. I think you just nailed that. It's It's not being scared again, to, to your point to, to share what you love with the world. And Hey, at the end of the day, at least you're showing up, right? Most of those people who are saying those things and doing those things and shoot, you know, I'll, I'll post this and and hopefully we'll have a chance to both post this and share this with people. Man, I'm sure who knows the kind of things that'll come up, especially towards me, you know, and, and, and I'm sure it sounds like you're kind of used to it. Well, I'm not, you know, and, but at the end of the day, Hey man, I'm not scared to show up. And it goes back to what you said. I'm not scared to fail. And there's something to say about that. And most people who are saying and doing those kind of things, you know, oftentimes they're not even showing up. Right. And, and there's something deep inside them that, you know, they know that. And it's manifesting itself through those type of comments and through those kind of actions. And and so I think you just nailed that, man. That was fantastic. Um, wrapping things up, man. Let us know how, how do we get connected with uh, from field to plate? How do we learn more? How can we follow? Uh, everything that you're doing and and just continue to get get the word out on on everything that you're pursuing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty easy um, from field to plate on all media outlets, except for Twitter is from field. The number two plate. I really don't go on Twitter because it's like a ADD text message. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I have a private group on Facebook that you can follow um, where it's all about the story and the food. Um, if anything is posted that is not about the story or about the food, it gets deleted because I just don't care. Like I've said a million times, um, it, is, it is what it's supposed to be. And if people are being ashamed by that, then they don't need to be a part of it. But it's, it's huge. We've grown 4,000 members in the past two weeks of people because it's something different on Facebook. Uh, Instagram from field to plate, all that good stuff. Um, I have 100% um, comment and reply. So if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it, even if it's a dumb question. I'm going to, And if I don't know the answer, again, I'm going to be truthful. And I'm going to seek it out and find it for you or introduce you to somebody that does have the answer. Um, and then, yeah, and then we'll have a bunch of from field to play classes starting up in November of, of 2022. And if you want to learn more, grow on how to be a better butcher, better hunter, um, or you are someone I've taken out vegans for the very first time who have never touched a gun in their life, They've harvested their own animals and now they're big hunters. Um, so if you want to just be a part of that, you, you can follow along and from field to plate and we'll post that in the summer of when the classes and sign up starts. So, but again, thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for letting me just word vomit about what I'm passionate about, because sometimes people get uh, kind of turned off that I'm very passionate about not caring.
0: Hey man, um, I, I loved every minute of it. And and that's why I asked you to be on it because I had a feeling it would uh would go this direction and, and it's the exact direction I was hoping it would go. Um, so don't, you have nothing to apologize for, man. You, you are who you are. You're passionate about what you believe in and I can respect that. And uh, I loved it, man. I, again, genuinely just thank you for, for spending time with us. And um, we will continue to to watch and follow and, and share. And Hey, I'll say, you know, just from, from my personal standpoint, I am a part of the from field to plate uh, Facebook page uh, group, um, the private group that Jeremiah was referencing. Man, I, I, just to to give them a quick shout out on that, um, man, it's awesome. You know, between the people sharing their stories, uh, people sharing their recipes, it's just super encouraging. Um, you know, just to to be able to share that with a community of people across the country. You know, uh, especially for somebody, a guy like me here in in central Alabama, to be able to connect with guys like Jeremiah, who are, is in Southern California of all places. Talk about two, you know, what you would consider polar opposite locations, but to be able to meet together. And uh, and have this uh, passion that we share and to be able to sit down and talk about it and and meet people from all over the country who have that. I man, it's just something really, really special. And to your point, I hope this encourages anybody out there that's interested in uh, getting started. Or maybe you have started and this has encouraged you to to make it uh, you know, about respecting the animal and getting back closer to the food that uh, that you want to put on your table. So uh, hopefully if you're listening, um, it encourages you in one way or the other. Um, and, and I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. So. Uh, appreciate you, Jeremiah. And uh, here's to the next
1: one. Yeah. And remember if it walks, it drops. Don't be afraid to shoot a spike. That's, all That's I'm right. Saying.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Good stuff, man. Thank you again. Yes, sir. Awesome.